You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 29. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM, NHL.com is our guest, and the Leaf season is over. And, of course, we're going to go through it all and where this thing fell apart and, and where it goes in the future. But in the meantime... A recommendation here. I'm going to recommend to you Raycon earbuds. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can go as low as $18 at checkout. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. What else could I say? I really recommend Raycon earbuds. I use them on a daily basis. Here is the call to action. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 15% off your order. And one other bit of uh, business to recommend, light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with the GoTHPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. The code is THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So the code for Raycon and DraftKings Sportsbook is THPN. Now to the hockey story. Oh, where did this thing go wrong? They went out in five, couple of overtime losses to the Florida Panthers, and it was just painful to watch, I have to say. The Leafs offense, highly paid, could not make a contribution. And then in the days following, everybody said the right thing. They want to come back, and Kyle Dubas, the general manager, uh, has his status unclear because he wants to examine his own personal options, and I totally respect that. But where does that leave the Leafs? Well, let's explore that in our conversation with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXMNHL.com. So, Dave, let's just dive in on the uh, sort of parting statements from Monday. And I have to say, I was a little caught off guard because everybody said the politically correct thing to say. I mean, they were too nice, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, you certainly didn't have anybody who took complete ownership the way we saw for instance Leon Dreisaitl in Edmonton it was it was pretty much um the the type of thing that you would have expect to have heard the same thing that we've heard time and time and time again um there was really nobody who 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 took responsibility put it all on their shoulders it was more just now nah, you know we had our look sometimes they go in sometimes they don't um but you know, I, I don't think we can really expect anything different, to be honest, from this team, because these are the personalities. I mean, the, most of the guys, the, the core guys, um, are wired the same way. I mean, that's really just the fact of the matter. So um, I wasn't really, really surprised by anything that I heard. Quite frankly, Jim, I would have been more surprised if if somebody had said something um in contrast to, to what we heard yesterday. So, yeah, that, that's where I kind of came down. And what I was surprised with 
was what Kyle Dupas had to say. Uh, yeah. I can I can tell you, we were sitting there in the room uh, as he was speaking, and I think a lot of jaws were wide open because that was not um, how I expected that situation to play out at all. Yeah, totally agree with that. I totally respect what he had to say. And I think when you look back over some of the uh, emotional displays uh, in the uh, the management box over the course of the year, that was un-Kyle-like. Um, and so you could understand that it gets to him. And, and I have respect. Don't get me wrong here. I have total respect for where he's coming from, and, and he should talk to his family and, and make that decision. But but I think what moves this thing forward is, is um, you know, fast thinking on, on the, the part of the lease front office in terms of, do you want him back? Uh, you know, is he coming back? And if he's not, then then quickly you have to move on because it triggers a lot of decisions on contracts and situations where you have Nylander and Austin Matthews having to be re-upped or, you know, make a decision on whether they're they're here or not. And, and you need to know who that person is. And if it's not Kyle, then maybe that sort of alters the dynamic between those players and the team. It, it, he opened a, a huge door respectfully. He had to, but, but in terms of what it does to the team, it really opens a huge door, doesn't it? Well, it does. And I think well said on your part, I totally respect what Kyle had to say as well. And it's important that he makes sure his, his, his family life is in order uh, before he decides whether he wants to commit to returning. Um, I thought the fact that he said it's, it's either here or not, you're not going to see me pop up anywhere else, um, was, was really a suggestion of, of, of truth behind what he was getting at. I mean, obviously the, 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 the situation is personal and he owes nobody, uh, any further explanation than that. But the fact he said he's not going to pop up anywhere else really uh, leads me to believe what he's saying is, is absolutely true. So um, it, it's going to be interesting now because I'm with you. I think the Leafs need to have that situation settled. Like I would say really by the end of the week. I mean, that, that's not um, trying to be uh, you know, impersonal or cold or anything. Um, but, but the business for, for the Maple Leafs carries on. And as you pointed out, there's a lot of decisions that have to get made. Uh, the future of Matthews, is, is he going to want to resign? Which he, which, he, which he suggested yesterday, it seems like he, he does. Um, same thing with William Nylander. Um, but then it's not only that, it's, it's the future of the head coach. Um, it's the composition of the team. Uh, Kyle certainly did not commit if he was to come back that the core four would automatically be back, which was also in stark contrast to anything that he's ever said before. Um, he did not give Sheldon Keefe necessarily a ringing endorsement, uh, suggested that there was a um, evaluation that needed to, needed to continue before they could come to a decision on that front. So um, a lot of different aspects of this team require attention um, in short order, really the next month or so prior to the draft and, and free agency. Um, so with that said, you have to figure out what you're doing with your management because if he ultimately decides that, you know what, I don't want to come back, then you got to find a general manager. Do you have that candidate internally? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if, if they do if they would want to promote, for instance, a, a Brandon Pridham, um, I don't know. Or if you have to look uh, look externally. 
uh, for a candidate. That takes time. So this is something they need to try to get to a, a decision on, uh, quite frankly, a lot sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got a six-week window here, and, and really it's not six weeks. It's it's more like two or three because if you go right to the end, you've, you've wasted an opportunity and things can slide out of control after that. Um, let's get to the team. I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces here, and obviously there's a lot of UFAs that have to be dealt with or not. Um, in terms of the elimination, it left a, kind of a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And when you're talking about Coach Keefe and, and returning a lot of the pieces, then you're talking about maybe having the same story next year. And I don't think that would be acceptable at all. Not that this year's exit is, but how close do you think this team is before we start, you know, tearing it down and moving people out? And I'm very careful about that because you can move out whoever you want. You have to get the right return. Otherwise, you're wasting our time. Well, that's right. Um and generally speaking, when you trade a player the caliber of a Mitch Marner, for instance, you're not immediately winning that trade in terms of what you get back. Um, it's to, obviously, one, change the mix of the group, and then two, to create flexibility from other standpoints. fact is, though, the, the free agent market is not exactly um, one that gets you too excited this year. Um, so there's that. In other words, cap space is not quite as valuable maybe as it might have been in past summers. Uh, but nonetheless, it gives you, it gives you options. Um, but, but they have to figure out what they're going to do in that front. Look, um, I, I think the Leafs are still a good team. You know, they, they make the playoffs every year and comfortably. They, they won around this year. They didn't get it done against Florida. But they were in the fight. Now, the issue is, I don't think you want to blow that up entirely and start over. I think that's premature, especially if Austin Matthews suggests he wants to come back, William Nylander suggests he wants to come back. You know, you'll still have a good team. Morgan Riley, you know, all of this. Um, but, but clearly there's something with this mix that is not working. And, and what I would say is it, it tends to come down to the same issue um at this time of the year each year which is to say that when push comes to shove offensively they dry up they can't score they scored two goals a game in each of their final seven playoff games um you look back to last year in game seven against tampa bay couldn't score game six against tampa bay couldn't score enough uh in against montreal the year before that uh, couldn't score enough in games five, six, and seven um, to push through against Columbus the year before that. Couldn't score, so um, it's it's really it's the same issue, and and that is a bit of a concern considering um, it's a team that is built to score. I mean, there are other teams that are built uh, to defend and to score enough. That's not Toronto. They're built to score. Um, their way to to championships when you devote uh, essentially half the salary cap to half the roster um, you you need production from the guys that are eating up that money and they they do not get it from them um, at the most important times so you gotta you gotta sit back and you gotta think to yourself well why is this not happening and, and then that's why I think you come down to the fact that something in this mix is is not good enough and that that's why i think you're at the point now where 
how many more years can you go bring back the same group? You've got to take somebody from that mix and, and change it because it is not working. Well, you said a key word there. You said built to score and not defend. If you look at the four teams that are left in the Stanley Cup run, they're all built to defend. Some of them have more offense or more ability to score than others, but they are built to defend. I, I, you know, I just don't think that you can build a team to score and win the Stanley Cup. You must be able to defend it. In a lot of our games that we did, uh, I would talk about how Florida or Tampa was was able to defend, and I didn't see any defending at all from the Leafs for the most part in those two rounds. I mean, that is a fundamental flaw, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't look at the the team defensively and say, "Well, that's that's woefully inadequate." I think, I think they can defend well enough, so long as the other part of the equation, the ability to score, comes through. Like if Matthew scored three goals this round, John Tavares dumped in two, Marner had a couple of more, they, they probably win this series because it's not like they were getting blown out. All of the games were close. And, and they were all low scoring. Um, it's just that they couldn't push through offensively to come out on the right side of those games. I mean, obviously, there were, there were some mistakes along the way. Like, they let, um, they let game two get away with just three really bad mistakes. But, you know, it turns out it was a 3-2 game. Um, Leafs, Leafs have got to score three, four goals every now and again uh, to have success. And they never did so. So, so that to me is, is where things are coming up short. It's not like they were losing every game seven, six, they were losing a two to one, three, two type deal. Um, to me, that's, that's defending well enough for, for the type of team that they want to be, but you have to make sure that you're getting production from the guys that are eating up all your money. For instance, look at the New York Rangers, same thing. Yeah. Um, what happened to them in the first round? Well, all the guys that they depend on for offense went MIA. Art Panarin, nothing. Uh, Vincent Trocek, nothing. Miga Zibanejad, nothing. Um, you can't get away with that when when those guys make that kind of money um, and, and, and throw up no-shows in a playoff round. You can't win like that. So, so what I would say is I thought Toronto defended uh, well enough but I think what happened was if, if they're able to score the way they are built to, they probably would have probably would have won that series against Florida. Um, that to me is, is really where the issue is. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but I think if you go back to if you're built to defend, you're talking about the Rangers and Leafs, how you defend against them is you shut down the big guys. And in the Leafs case in particular, this opens up another big door, a lot of big doors here. So a year ago, we were talking about Tavares moving to the left wing. That didn't happen. And a year later, we're talking about Tavares moving to the left wing. Uh, For me, the Leafs have a fundamental flaw in this roster. I like what they did at the trade deadline. I like the roster. I don't like the left side of the forward unit, especially on the top two lines. This is a mix and match situation. And I said even a year ago for Austin Matthews to play with Mitch Marner, the left winger has to be a big body, high skill guy who creates space 
and doesn't force Austin Matthews to try and do that himself. They did not address that. That to me, if you want to keep the core four, and I'm all, I'm not against them keeping them, but you have to have the right support players on the left side of those two lines. And if it's Tavares that moves over in the second line, then you have to find a center to play in there. And this is something that that's been in the wind for a while, and they haven't addressed it. They've addressed everything else, mind you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I remember talking about that with you uh, early on in the season. Uh, prior to Christmas time, about what 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 they were going to do if they were going to go out in in uh, in the trade market and try and address that prior to the deadline, they they didn't really do that. Uh, they went out and got Ryan O'Reilly, so they tried John at at center or at uh, left wing rather for periods of time, but then they they kept going away from that and used O'Reilly on a on a line unto himself and went uh, Matthews Tavares O'Reilly up the middle of the ice. Um, yeah, I I don't like the left wing mix either like I don't think Michael Bunting is back to be honest with you Um, because I think there's going to be a team that's going to be willing to offer him quite frankly more money than he's worth it's no disrespect toward Michael Bunting but he's the type of guy that um, you have to identify uh, what he brings you as a player um, and you cannot exceed that just because he's your guy um, to me, he is a, a $2 million winger at best, um, and not a penny more. And you have to make difficult decisions like that because the last thing you can do is get into a situation where you've overpaid for Michael Bunny, because I think a lot of his success is founded on the fact that he plays with, with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner by and large during the, during the regular season. Now, um, credit to him. He played well in that role. Um, but uh, that to me is not a four million dollar player, uh, because if you take him away from those two, uh, I think the production drops dramatically, um, and 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 you have to look at at that position and say, well, um, can we upgrade there? I think the answer is is yes. Like he he gives you everything you've got, but he's he's still a bit of a smaller guy, and doesn't create a great deal of of space on his own um and and certainly not at the at the level that i think there might be a team willing to pay him you you cannot lock yourself in to say like you know four times five years that's just too much money for michael bunny you need to go out you need to find um either a, a significant upgrade or another guy who can play that role for you know two million dollars or less just because you don't want to tie your hands you've got other areas that require um, attention, as you point out, and I'm with you. Um, John Tavares, I think, is at the point where he probably needs to shift more often than not to the left wing. So now you need a a, a top six center. Um, what's the future of David Camp? Is he back? Um, same situation as Michael Bunting. I don't think you want to get into a bidding war for David Camp. Um, I liked the the role he filled, that the money he 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 earned this year. Um, but but I, I don't think you want to go a lot higher than that. So you'll need to find um, you'll need to find personnel there potentially to fill that hole. And then you look on the back end, I'm still not convinced that they don't need to go out and try and find like a legitimate and it's gonna be harder than harder to, to find because these guys don't grow on trees, but like a legitimate number one defenseman, a kingpin back there. They don't they don't really have that guy. That's not taking anything away from Morgan Riley. He was outstanding during these playoffs. But 
but I still think they could use a guy that is better than him. Um, that costs money. So um, we'll see how it plays out. But but they do have a lot of issues, I think, to to address. And, you know, I think I'm with you. If, if I had to prioritize them, um, the left side does require a lot of attention. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? If you could put Matthew Nyes in, in, a, in a machine that would age him three years over the summer, he would be certainly on, on one of those top two lines. Right now I have him penciled in as the third line left winger because I think he has to learn the NHL and, and defensive responsibilities and things like that. But he will get there at some point. Um, I agree with your your assessment of the blue line. And, and this sort of completes the circle of our conversation None of these things can happen if you're if you haven't decided on your general manager. That that just ties in what we're talking about off the top of this. He has to make a decision. The Leafs have to make a decision, and it has to happen relatively quickly, doesn't it? Well, it does because this is a lot of work that needs to get done, and a lot of it has to happen uh, prior to or right around the draft. I mean, that's really not that far away. That's like five weeks away. Um, so you give you give Kyle a week or so. To, to come to a decision, which I think he's earned, I think it's fair, yeah. uh, but then you're, you're looking at a month. Okay, if he decides he doesn't want to come back, well, now you gotta, now you gotta find um, someone to take over that role. Like we said earlier, if you're going outside the organization, you know, that, that usually takes two weeks, now you're down to two weeks. So you hire the guy and okay, go. So, you know, that, it's not a lot of time, not a lot of time at all. Um, to to make a decision in that nature um, for some to come in and then make, in turn, decisions that are, are highly consequential to how next season is going to play out. Yeah, and I'll leave you with this. Uh, you're, you complete the thought for me. If you decide, if it's the decision is that Kyle doesn't come back and you decide that you're going to move one or two of the core four forwards, then the person you hire has to have the ability to make that trade to help the franchise. And that's a key statement because sometimes uh, teams hire general managers and that isn't clear and the trade is bumbled and then, then you pay for it for the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. And and to make a deal of that nature requires um, some level of experience as well. I mean, it it, it is a, a, it's a type of trade that can fundamentally shift the direction in which the organization ends up going for years to come. And, and you cannot bungle a trade like that. So, um, you know, you, you need to hire a guy that I think has some relationships throughout the league, um, is not going to be a, uh, is going to be a quick study, so to speak, someone who can come in and, and really hit the ground running, not have to go through a, you know, a month or so where they're just feeling things out and trying to gain an idea of how everything works within the organization and, you know, what the assets that they have are on hand, where they could use um, assets in return in a trade. Like, this needs to be something that on day one, uh, whoever it is, um, is familiar with and comfortable with because, you know, just to repeat it again, there's not a lot of time with which to work. Um, it, it really is amazing how quickly um, the offseason will play out, uh, especially if you have to undergo a change uh, at the managerial position. Dave, thanks for your time today and through the course of the season. Really appreciate your participation. No, it's, it's, it's great to be on with you, Jim. I really appreciate you, uh, you having me on regularly throughout the year. It's always a treat. Last minute of play in this podcast.
And on the way out, look at he split. Yes, guy, no guy. Thank you, Mike Ross, for the time warning. Yes, guy, no guy, number one. You feel the Leafs are closer. Well, I'm going to say yes, guy, to that. They are closer. It seems odd to say that after all this time, but as we identified in the conversation with Dave McCarthy, they have to fix up the left wing on the first two lines, and that would be a key piece. And obviously there's going to be pieces out, pieces in, money out, money in this summer. It's going to be an interesting run. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. The Leafs must get into decision-making. Look at he split. Oh, that's a yes guy. Don't waste any time here. It's a six-week window. And quite frankly, it's about two to three weeks, and that's it. If you snooze, you lose. You know that story. And we'll go out on this yes guy, no guy. Time for changes. I'm going to say yes guy to that. And that doesn't mean you move salaries out and get draft picks. It means you make hard hockey decisions. If you feel you can make it work with those four core players, then you'd better do that. You always do what's right for the franchise, but there has to be some change made. Could be in the front office, could be behind the bench, could be on the roster, could be a little of all three. We shall see. Hope you enjoyed episode 29, season three of Leafs Guide, and we'll be reporting in during the course of the summer when things happen.